He played the long game and Cristiano Ronaldo has finally got his revenge on Norwich City for that 2-0 defeat at Carrow Road in April 2005. 16 years ago, CR7 was back in Norfolk. Five-time Ballon d'Or winner. He's won the Euros, become a legend with Real Madrid, but he came back to Norwich and got his revenge. Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast as we look back on Manchester United's very narrow 1-0 win over Norwich City, thanks to a pretty cruel penalty decision dispatched expertly by Mr Ronaldo, 36 years old and still the star of the show. Dave Freezer here alongside Paddy Davitt and Connor Southwell. We also come to you in association with Future Radio 107.8 FM and uh, three games in four without a goal now, Pad. Um, but I think, considering when you reflect on that, there's still a fair bit of positivity around about how Norwich are, are progressing at the moment. Um, tremendous credit for me for that performance. Yeah, OK, the result. Uh, does, and the lack of goals continues a bit of a worrying little theme since Dean Smith came in and everything seemed to be so positive. But for me, I, I no, I, I can't. You can't really dig them out at all. And and we've not even got into the adversity both prior to the game and then mm. during the game in terms of the personnel and the depletion to the ranks that he's had to deal with to to dredge that performance. And of course. No doubt this will be portrayed in national circles as United didn't play well, United didn't turn up, United weren't at the races. But you have to give credit to Norwich, I think, for nullifying a lot of what they could have been about because you still looked at their team sheet at kick-off and thought, wow, they've got some amazing attacking players. Real depth of talent, um, but not, not a bit of it. Norwich, and we can and we will get into the penalty award itself but over the entirety of the piece more than merited a draw and you could argue David De Gea made some excellent saves in that second half could have been another famous win over a team from Manchester but um, yeah that that's that's what tends to happen when you're down the wrong end and you come up against these high profile teams and individuals as well that just in those key moments uh, you don't get the decisions and um uh, Definitely a sense of a hard luck story tonight because, uh, you know, I thought arguably I'm trying to just sort of kick back now since the Southampton game under Smith. I think that was as good a performance, I think, to rival any of the previous ones for me, given the level of opposition. And all it was missing was, which we've heard already too often this season and in recent times under Smith, is that attacking cutting edge. If they'd had that, they win this game for me and... Uh, what that would have done to transform the kind of scene in terms of the league table because that would have put them really back in touch. As it is, a lot of positives and plaudits, but ultimately no points, and uh, that's the frustration, I think. Yeah, as we record Saturday evening, Burnley and Newcastle both play on Sunday, but Watford lost on Friday, so Norwich, whatever, are going to finish the weekend three points from safety, but uh, Leeds and Southampton both lost today as well, so it's, it's still pretty tight down there and uh, I think uh, well I did say to you before the uh, before kickoff didn't I Connor that as long as they win one of these two games then they're they're going to be fine they're in a, they're in a good place but 
they now go into the Villa game against a refreshed Emi Buendia, dare we say it, um, looking a little bit... Um, well, they were running on empty towards the end of this one, weren't they? Because they, they made five changes, most of those were enforced, and they're sort of down to the bare bones a bit, aren't they? Yeah, and that, that's what makes, for me, the performance all the more impressive. When, when you look at the players, they didn't have available, um, even down to Rashica and Norman, um, influential players in their sides. You, you, you know, you've got a... You've got your, your, your captain coming off after 21 minutes and then to produce the level of performance that they did, um, the standard that they did. And, you know, Paddy's right. Nationally, there's going to be a lot of talk about what Manchester United didn't do. Um, but for me, there should be a, talk, a lot of talk about what Norwich City did do and the circumstances in which they did it. Um, that is the, the most impressive thing. And we've been on here before this season talking about ways to lose football matches. If you're going to lose a football match, that is the way to do it. Fully committed, hardworking. Um, giving giving a performance to to your supporters, and I know Dean Smith says he, he says he doesn't want to be a glorious loser, but ultimately, the more performances they can produce, the more likely they are to get points. And if they can replicate that level of performance, and I think you're right in, in, in the question you asked to Pad, really, in terms of the performances, they are improving. They are showing uh, a lot more solidity at the back. I, I, there were points where I looked at their defensive shape, and it was it was vastly improved to what it was uh, a month or, or, or two ago. Um, it's now just about okay. Dean Smith's. If we're if we're using Dean Smith's checklist, they're harder to beat. Um, they're 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 hardworking. Uh, they're organised. Carroll Rose is a difficult place to come. Now it's just about adding the final bit, which is about the, the quality in the final third. And he said in his analysis that there were a couple of times they worked an overload and just didn't make the right decision or quality was lacking. Um, if they can just improve those moments, then um, I, I think we've got a team that that looks a lot more like a Premier League team, dare I say it. And, you know, you stretch that across however many games we've got left. I'm not very good at math, so you might have to help me out. 20-something. Was that the 16th game? Yeah, 22. 22. Um, So 22 games left. They probably need eight wins from that to to stay up. I think you'd you'd probably say that's a lot more likely now than it was a month ago. Um, So they're, they're in the right direction. But ultimately what Smith says about being a glorious loser is right because there will... Be a lot of people out there who goes, oh, it's all very well and good, these performances and improvement, but if you're not picking up points, it's largely irrelevant because uh, points win prizes, don't they? So, um, yeah, lots, lots of positives. Uh, just probably a little bit frustrating that they couldn't get the point. But I think the fact that we've left Carroll with David De Gea being man of the match and Ronaldo being forced to, to win a penalty um, to ensure that Manchester United, with their embarrassment of riches, they put on Mason Greenwood in the second half, which is uh, you know says a lot of the quality they have. They reduced them to very little, and uh, I think every Norwich City fan will have will have left that um, game feeling very encouraged and and very hopeful about perhaps where this season could go. It feels like they're singing off the same hymn sheet uh, at, at least they're pulling in the in the right direction together and i feel like the the restart the fresh start has worked to a certain extent and even if they do go down as long as they're putting in this kind of committed performance then i don't think people would have a a huge problem with it that's kind of where norwich exists we all hope that one day they can crack the code to somehow survive in the Premier League as a self-funded club. But we all know that the degree of difficulty in that regard is is really high. Um, but Ronaldo, you know, it, what did he really do otherwise? He was a bit of a statue, wasn't he? He's All the criticism you've heard about him in the national media and about how, you know, he doesn't really press and things like that. It, it's remarkable that 
you think that Billy Gilmore was a toddler. He was four years old or whatever when he was here with Man United for that 2-0 defeat under Sir Alex and, and all that stuff all those years ago. But, yeah, that United weren't anything special, I didn't think. They certainly were nowhere near the, the Chelsea or Man City or Liverpool teams that we saw in Norwich. I mean, when you the more you reflect, actually, on the opening weekend and how Norwich played against Liverpool, they actually played quite well in, in that game. And I, I dare say that Farker will, Daniel Farker will look back on that and, and rue that day a, a little bit. Um, let's take it a little bit chronologically then, Pad, and just talk about those changes because we, we've mentioned them exacerbated totally by Grant Hanley having to go off in the in the 20th minute. But it was five changes. Williams, we knew, had to go out anyway because he was against his parent club, so couldn't feature. So you knew this came in for him. Uh, Gibson and Omar Bamadeli dropped out of the squad totally. Lise Malou and Ida on the bench. So that meant Kabak coming in to central defence, moving back to a 4-3-3. Uh, Rupp coming in for Lise Malou in midfield. Sargent actually played on the left as a, the prote- protection for Yanoulis, almost as the part of the uh, front three. And then the the surprise, Shemet Poheta came in on the on the right wing and um, did did okay. But we'll, we'll come back to that. So, um, what was uh, sort of the latest that Smith was able to to say after the game? Given that there's such a a tight turnaround, it's only only three days. I mean, Norman ahead of this one, they were hoping might be back involved. We. Even saw Sam Byram on the bench today, didn't we? So, yeah, there's a lot to digest. Hell of a lot, yeah. I mean, try and take it from Friday morning when Smith did his pre-match and Rashid. Sorry, Rashid. Uh, we know probably not going to see him until early in the new year with a groin issue. Norman, yes, they were hopeful that Man United would be the one they could target. Hasn't or well, didn't quite come to pass. And on Friday morning, Dean Smith said, "Ring now." Depends how he feels over this weekend, whether uh, Villa might come too soon. But if it isn't to be Villa, then you, you got the clear sense that, um, is it West Ham away yeah. next yeah. weekend? Uh, so so hopefully Norman should be back certainly by, by the West Ham fixture. Um, and that was the situation. But of course then, tantalisingly, said there was a couple of other fitness issues and one or two players as well who feeling a little bit unwell and, and needed PCR tests. Well... Taking that one first, Christos Zolis, he confirmed after the game. Connor had the piece earlier today uh, on the Pinkin site. Has tested positive for COVID, will now have to self-isolate in, in line with the regulation. So, obviously unavailable today. Well, we obviously would expect him to be unavailable for Villa. Uh, and then I think it will just depend, really, in terms of whether he's able to come back in for, for, for West Ham. And... In terms of the knocks, well, quite clearly, when the team news dropped an hour before kick-off this afternoon, that was Ben Gibson, who felt his groin, Dean said, after the game tonight, uh, in the final training session on Friday. Didn't want to take any risks. Hopeful for Tuesday with him, that he comes back in. Uh, and Omar Bamadeli, problem in his lower back, I think Dean Smith said. He didn't, re- he didn't really give any indication whether Tuesday would come too soon. But all of that, bad enough. You mapped out the changes that Dean Smith had to go with in his starting lineup, and then of course, 21 minutes, 20 minutes into the game, Big Grant goes to uh, sort of block a Ronaldo air shot, and um, and then lands very awkwardly. And and we all know he's a, a fairly robust figure of a man, and uh, most of the weight he is carrying landed on his left elbow slash shoulder. Um, that was Ronaldo's fault, really, as well, wasn't it? Because he sort of chased after him and then just 
took him out from behind and fell yeah. on top of him, didn't he? He was obviously embarrassed by, you know, the complete horlicks <laughs> yeah. he made of that attempt on the half volley. But uh... It looked like a classic Hanley thing at the at first, didn't it? A bit like the Grant Holt thing when he's good at buying a foul off a striker, isn't he? Yeah. Well, he, he did that. Uh, his first meaningful act was on the other side of the pitch mm. where he sort of kind of, I can't think who he shut down. It might have been Rashford. And yeah, that got his body in front, felt the contact, went down, got a free kick. Um, but sadly, on this occasion... It was a heavy, heavy old tumble. Uh, it was, for me, alarm bells immediately because he lay pl- prone on the deck and, you know, we know what type of character he is. If he's not hurt, he's getting back up again. It's almost an affront to, to his manhood. So straight away you felt this is a bad one. And then he did rejoin after a bit of physio consultation but couldn't proceed, came off. And then towards the end of the game, there was a camera shot of him rather forlornly with his arm in a sling watching the game from the mouth of the tunnel. Dean Smith said too early to tell. Of course, it would be immediately after the game. But you have to think, even if it's on the minor end of the scale and we say, and this is purely hypothetical, if it was a you know severe bruising rather than maybe a dislocation um, or ligament damage, that Tuesday's probably going to come too soon for him. And you, what you just hope now, given... Both Gibson and Obama Daly were were not available uh, tonight. That um, you know that isn't a long term layoff with him because that would be a hammer blow given what an influence he is, um, and all of that culminated in uh, Mr. Versatile Jacob Sorensen being thrown into the fray alongside Ozan Kabak, who prior to, to tonight had very rarely featured under Smith, if at all. He wasn't even making squads. Ultimately, Obama Daly was the sort of go to beyond Hanley and Gibson. So. Um, Really, really feared for them when when Sorensen appeared. Not a slight on that man, but he, you know, as we saw last season, he can do a job. But it's not his position. But um, credit those two. I mean, they they were excellent given the circumstances yeah. they were thrust into. And if the worst comes to the worst, and none of the other four mentioned are back for Tuesday, then it'll be those two again. And um, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't be too unhappy if it if it is those two again. Um, because they showed enough tonight that uh, they can at least provide adequate stopgap coverage. But uh, for all those, I mean, I've literally spent about five minutes t- detailing every single injury yeah. and twist and turn, or, or in Zolis's case, COVID. And with all of that adversity to still produce such a cohesive performance and deserve far more than they got in the end, um, you know, great credit to Dean Smith, Shakespeare, and their coaching prowess, but also to those players who came in as well, because. No, no easy task. Jacob Sorensen, first ever Premier League start in his career, yeah. go on in going on a centre back position and try and mark Ronaldo and Rashford. I mean, that's that's a hard hard hand he was dealt. But boy, did he take it in his stride. And uh, you know, if you're looking for positives beyond obviously the negative of the result, the way that he came in tonight, that could be a big thing for him moving forward in terms of his involvement at Premier League level for Norwich this season. Well, we'll come back round to them because, yeah, I think there were some real positives in there. Kabak and Sorensen, Rupp had a very good first half, certainly Krull uh, had, had some really important things. But let's discuss the penalty um, first. Um, let's sort of get that out of the way. Um, we've all watched it back a few times now, haven't we? And the the main thing for me was it just seemed naive from Max. And then when you, when you see the, the penalty back, Ronaldo is not winning that ball, is he? He, no, he isn't. Um, it, it is a penalty. I think ultimately, if if uh, and and I'll use my my classic gauge, which if, if if that's at the other end, then you want it given. I think, um, irrespective if Ronaldo's getting the ball or if he isn't, I, I take Dean Smith's point that 
you need to make contact with him, but you don't need to make contact with him by putting your arm around his neck, um, basically. And, and yes, he does fall theatrically, but that's what... Keep, Ronaldo yeah, does. What, uh, <laughs> I was trying to phrase it a bit more diplomatically than that, but yeah, you're right. It is, it is, what, it is what he does. And um, that's why they were willing to have what was it, 74 minutes of him being a statue because he produces a moment like that. And um, to be honest, if he, if he was ever going to score, it was going to be a, a free shot from 12 yards, wasn't it? So, um, yeah, it's, it's just it's just a, a really silly mistake, I think, from from Max. I can understand why he's done it because we all know the leap that Ronaldo has on him. I mean, there was one moment uh, after that where he basically jumped over Billy Gilmore. It was it was almost like watching a pole vaulter in action. Um, he completely cleared his head. So <laughs> nearly hurt himself. He did. Didn't he? Yeah, he did. Um, so so that goes to show the the leap that he does have. But but yeah, he was never getting to the ball. I get I get the point. I'm not sure really if it would be given at the other end. But that's just because Norwich don't naturally make as much uh, as much fuss um, as Manchester United or, or or the big teams tend to do. Um, there was a, a handball I felt sh- shortly after. Uh, Gilmore fires a shot in and, and Fred seems to move his arms away from his body no one really appeals for it and, and for me I think if they make a bigger noise of that they at least get it to VAR um, so that's that... one from Rashford in the first half wasn't it and we were all looking at each other like is he serious that yeah. kept, like he was appealing for a penalty wasn't he and that's that's what big clubs do it's, don't they, yeah, they appeal for everything. it's what they do and, it, and it, was, it was almost like if you were wearing red you were um, sort of immune from getting a yellow card as well it's incredible I mean Mutomine made six seven fouls and, and just didn't get a booking mm. so you have to be sly you have to be clever and, it, and it's, it's those kind of dark arts that I think maybe Norwich fans want to see a bit more of from, from their team at times um, as I said that penalty appeal maybe appealing for things more generally there, there are a couple of nice free kicks that, that they can win here and there but but compared to what United do it's 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 on a different scale but but they've always done that haven't they and um yeah I think I think ultimately it, it probably was a penalty uh, once you strip away the theatrics Max Aarons has his hands in a, in a place that they don't need to be in um whereas you say I don't think the ball's reaching him anyway it's uh it's naive and it, it it's cost them a point in the end I think yeah, do you concur with that, Pad? I mean, Max will probably say, and Dean Smith sort of said this a bit, didn't he, that there are plenty of strikers who you put your arm on their neck very lightly like you do like that. They probably would just brush it off and wouldn't even think about it going down. But Ronaldo, as soon as he was touched, he was down on the floor. And the way it almost it, it almost ended up looking like Max has dragged him to the floor quite violently. And it, it wasn't really that instant, was it? No, no, no. Oh, we just missed the wink, didn't we, if you go back to Wayne Rooney, <laughs> <Yeah>. England-Portugal <laughs> encounter. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, he's done that all through his career. Connor's right, you know... You, you could call it a form of cheating. I mean, he would say it's just very, very good uh, gamesmanship on his behalf. And, and ultimately, you, you break the game down. They got back on the coach. They've won the game. Three points, he scores. He's he's decided that game, really, um, both in terms of the act and then the, the cool penalty. He was never never in doubt, was it? As good as Tim Krul is at stopping penalties. Uh, that man's that's something else when it comes to taking a spot kick. So... Yeah, Max will be frustrated, I'm sure, when he sees that back because he didn't need to make that challenge. And it, I haven't seen that many replays, actually, but it felt like he got himself a bit too deep in his own six-yard box and then... Panicked. Panicked, was my next word, yeah, because he knows it's Ronaldo and he knows he's got the potential in the air. I mean, he's brilliant in the air. Some of the headers he scored are phenomenal, but I think the trajectory of that ball, when he sees it back on the telly, Max, he will know that he could have let it just basically flow over his head and it would fell out the far side it would have been a goal kick and on you go and yeah, you know, I'd, I'd agree but for that 
the minimum that they got is a point, and who knows, you know, they might just have managed to get on the other end and, and take one of those chances that sadly De Gea proved the last line of defence. But yeah, it's, it's a tough lesson. Tough lesson. It's another reminder, you know, that at this level you can do so many things right individually, collectively. But just in those key moments, the right decision at the right time, the right action, you know, whatever it is, whether it's a decision or whether it's the pass, the shot, the tackle, whatever, um, you get away with that in a championship. You don't get away with it against this level of player. Mm. Right. Well, talking of somebody who's good in the air, let's talk about Ozan Kabak, who I gave my man of the match to in uh, my video verdict. I thought that was his... Best performance so far in a Norwich shirt. I thought he was pretty dominant in the air. I mean, very close to, to scoring a goal. Forced an excellent save from, from David De Gea. Obviously, uh, then partnered by Jacob Sorensen. But we've seen, well, those two particularly are both quite modern centre-backs, if, if you consider Sorensen as a centre-back in this debate, um, because they're good on the ball, aren't they? And I think he's, um, well, if Kabak keeps playing like that, he's going to take some shifting and that's probably saying a fair bit given that Ben Gibson had hit a bit of a decent seam of form recently hadn't he so he's he's going to be particularly gutted that he's had a an ill-timed uh, injury but um yeah who who was the one that that stood out for for you Connor yeah Kabak def- definitely one uh, I would agree with you I thought Rook was was very good in in the first half uh so- Sorensen as well he's like the human equivalent of polyfiller isn't he he's, he's just <laughs> if there's a hole he'll fill it it doesn't matter what position it is um <laughs> you could go with some very very different analogies yeah, there, but yes, yeah let's yeah. stick with polyfiller yeah let's go with it um <laughs> uh, he's completely thrown me off now I was trying to think of who else who else there was I, I thought collectively there, there weren't too many players that were probably below level but as Pad says there it just shows how much energy and quality you have to exert to win a game of football at this level and, and how high the bar is as well because they can produce a performance like that um, and still lose 1-0 ultimately so um, whereas in the championship that level of performance would, would win you a lot of games probably um, probably probably the majority of uh, of games in the division. So so that's that's kind of where they are in the difference at the moment. But yeah, I, I would agree on on Kabaki, someone that we've not seen. I think um, we've kind of said that certainly from the the, the team selections that, that Dean Smith has picked, he went to a three last weekend. Kabak wasn't one of those three. That would indicate that he maybe isn't as high up in his thoughts as maybe he would like to be. He's a bit of a an enigma, I think, when he, when he plays. Um, decision making wise he's still he can still be quite raw I think the fact that maybe Smith has sim- simplified it and said actually um, we don't want you to run run out of the back with the ball we don't want you yeah. to, to, to play those passes well, basically when he looks good because he didn't really have time on the ball and, and I think that's um, that's maybe the, the interesting point because he steps out of the back um, at, at times and and when he does that he's quite impressive and he, and he picks his moments to do that quite intelligently but when he's actually in possession of it he looks like he wants to uh, similar to the run against Burnley he looks like he wants to do that every time he picks up the ball and, and it's just learning I think about the times that you can do that and you can't do that and if anyone's going to teach him that then it will be Dean Smith and, uh, and Craig Shakespeare I think so there's definitely a player in there and, and I think when he produces that level of performance you look at him and you go yeah okay I can understand why Jurgen Klopp and Liverpool liked him and and decided to take him by the same token when he produces the the level of performance we saw against Leeds it's uh, it's easy to see maybe why Schalke aren't so keen on him so somewhere 
in between those two, we need to find a level of consistency with him. Um, and hopefully now, and, and we said Grant Hanley's injury, probably, and to me, it looked like a dislocated shoulder, but I'm, I'm no yeah. physio. So if it is, then you'd imagine it'll be a few weeks. So he may just get an opportunity and it, it was opportunity knocks for him. And I thought he, he delivered. There was that moment, wasn't there, in the second half where Rashford, although he was offside, um, went, went driving through on goal and he produced a brilliant um, sort of last-ditch challenge, but but also his quality on set pieces as well. He he, he got on a couple of end uh, on the end of uh, of those. There was one that De Gea had to produce a, a brilliant save from, uh, and there was one late on as well where he was offside. So um, yeah, I liked what I saw, but like I said, the main thing now is consistency with him because I, I don't think quality is an issue. It's just maybe uh, smoothing out some of the rough edges that he's got. Yeah, he's he's maturing, isn't he? I think the only thing Schalke are interested in is how much money they can make out of him. Yes, very true, very true. <laughs> um, but he was he was drifting. If if we're honest, you know, if you go a few games back, okay, he had the glandular fever, which actually dipped him out of things. But I, people weren't banging down the door in terms of fans for Kabak to be starting, were they? They weren't saying no, Kabak's got to be ahead of Hanley or or, or whatever. Um, he's still he's still young. He's still twenty one. But I felt. I feel like he is at a point where if he's to have a Premier League future, if he's going to be back playing Champions League football one day like he was not very long ago, he was what, April? He was playing in the Champions League quarterfinal against Real Madrid. If he wants to get back to that sort of level and he wants to force his way into a starting role for Turkey, which he doesn't have at the moment, then this is the kind of performance that he's got to be putting in um, going forward and consistently. And, and if he does continue to keep up that kind of form and flourish from here, then Norwich have obviously got a serious asset on their hands. So it'd be very interesting to see. While you were talking about the shoulder there, it reminded me, um, Hugill did something very similar last season, didn't he? Um, at Borough, where he ended up playing on. And I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think they'd said that initially he'd be out for a month or six weeks, but he, he came back sooner than expected. And he, he was back on the bench within about three weeks, something like that, wasn't he? Um, so... Uh, because I think Pookie got injured as well, didn't he? So he managed to come back and sort of help out at, at the time. But I'd have to go back and check that. But regardless, yes, I, I think you're right in that it, if you dislocate your shoulder like that, you can damage ligaments, can't you? And then you, you, you know, worst case scenario, you have to have surgery. Um, hopefully not. And, and you can get back reasonably soon. But that is clearly going to be a, a big worry for, for Hanley moving forward. So Kabak continuing to hit that level could be very important. But as Pad said earlier, I wouldn't have any great worries if, if Sorensen and, and Kabak are the starting pair on Tuesday night against Villa. Um, maybe it's better just to tell Sorensen to go and follow Buendia around the pitch. <laughs> Do what um, Neil Warnock did with their right back. Who yes. was it? Um, Darnell Johnson? Fisher. Fisher, that's it, yeah. Um, he just told him to follow Buendia the whole game, didn't he? And it, and it worked. Just just tell Sorensen to mark Buendia. Um, and finally, Pad, who stood out most for you? Because we mentioned a, mentioned a few names there, haven't we? Yeah, I think, I think... I can't think anybody really now. Let me think. No, I think go back, definitely. I liked Janulis's you know, like work. Um, I thought it was... a there was a better balance between his attacking and his defensive work. Not perfect by any manner of means, but he looked like a little bit like a back. These are guys who desperate for an opportunity. They got one tonight. A huge, mm. high-profile fixture, world-class attacking options. Um, you know, beamed around the world. They would have wanted to perform today, and I felt both of them took a step forward. And obviously, we mentioned Sorensen as well. Um, but you know, you could go front to back really and pick out positive elements to most of those individual performances because it needed that. It needed that collective, as Dean Smith said on Friday, it needed eight out of tens for Norwich to 
get the result and maybe probably in the final analysis maybe it was a 7 out of 10 or too many 7 out of 10s but 7 is still a, a decent base to work from but uh, yeah I can't think yeah I mean Tim Krull made one or two good saves mm. in the first half but but those were the key ones weren't they I think Kabak Yanoulis uh, for me and uh, and obviously Sorensen as well um, and it's encouraging it's encouraging because you know if Norwich are really going to get to the point where they're going to be competitive for the majority of the season, as is now being proven, it, it'll be about the depth of quality in the squad because, it, as has been proven, you know, you, you're without players like Norman and Rashica, and I think if with a fair wind from what we've seen so far, you'd put both of those into your 11. If you're without Hanley for any length of time as well now, um, that's that's a big miss as well. So that's a good start, but it is only a start and, and it's probably easier to get yourself up for uh, Ronaldo and uh, Manchester United than it maybe it is with no disrespect to, to Aston Villa despite all the subplots around that game so one swallow doesn't make summer as, as the saying goes I think so um, yeah and my concern now without wanting to get too much into the, the Villa game is can they can they dredge that energy and intensity and belief with such a quick relatively turnaround as well I think it's going to be very tough now with the issues around players um, to get that level of committed performance again on Tuesday night that they're really going to have to look at the recovery phase now of these next sort of 24, 48 hours Yeah it was interesting there was a, a training game on the pitch afterwards wasn't it in the, in the pouring rain Craig Shakespeare had all the subs going for a, a, a match a small sided match they had uh, Tom Dixon Peters from the academy joining in, Brandon Williams as well, um, Campwell and Lise Malou both uh, were taking part as well because they'd only played about what, 15, 20 minutes. Uh, so I guess that was with a view to Tuesday to making sure all those guys are sharp and, and available. You know, Byron obviously hasn't played football properly for, for a long time. Jonathan Tonkinson is, is only just back from an injury himself for, for the under 23s, just signed a new contract as well, hasn't he? So um, he, he doesn't really have, well, he doesn't have any first team experience yet, does he? Um, did he come on in a game? Did he play in pre season, didn't he? Pre season, that's what I'm thinking of, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, eight out, eight out of tens, four of them got an eight out of ten in my ratings for the video. Kabak were up, Sorensen and Krull. Um, Rupp was excellent first half, and I think at the moment, He's ahead of Lise Malou quite clearly. All day long, all day long. Yeah, yeah. Lise Malou has got to find another gear because he is looking like, almost like Rashica was at the start of the season in terms of you thinking, is this guy going to pick up the Premier League rhythm and the pace? You know, this was a guy who was playing at a good level in, in France. He was playing for Nice, you know, sort of top half team every year and he was a regular, he wore the captain's armband for them. He's an experienced player over there. At the moment, he's just not in hitting his straps and he didn't, well, there were a couple of bad moments, really. He got booked, obviously, in injury time. He very nearly conceded a penalty, although he was clearing up after Campwell, really. Um, so those two didn't have the best of of days. Um, I don't want to go over Sargent again, because I know you guys did that in the Monday Night Club, which is the new part of Pink and Pl for Pink and Plus subscribers, where we uh, focus in on one particular subject. So keep an eye out on that. We put that out Monday, uh, unsurprisingly. <laughs> uh, but it's uh, essentially uh, the Pink and podcast extra time so that'll be out Monday night um the other player I wanted to touch on though was Poeta who um we did mention earlier was the surprise played on 
on the right, his first Premier League start, only his second start of the season because he played for Poland against San Marino, <laughs> which was uh, a bit of a free hit for him, wasn't he? he? got an assist that day. And his first start for Norwich since February, since the game at Swansea, which kind of finished his season, really, didn't he? He'd had a, a little run in the team where he just wasn't convincing and he looked so lacking in confidence and things like that. So, yeah, what, what do you make of him, Connor? I thought he did okay. Um, there was part of me in the first half, I'll admit, that wondered if they put him on the right wing so they could almost coach him through it. Um, but and, and there were a couple of times positionally where he just um, got a bit lost and defensively let, let a man go and stuff like that. But overall, I thought it was, uh, it was pretty good. He, he didn't look... Um, he didn't look out of place, I, I would say, on, on that right side. There was a, a lot of good work, particularly going forwards. Uh, there, were, there were a few nice touches that um, just created a little bit of space, if not for himself, then for others. So, yeah, I think he should be sitting at home in his uh, in his slippers, watching match today, feeling quite pleased with himself tonight. Um, I think he's more of a kimono oh. and and uh, what are they called? Like the, the hotel slip-on ones. I, I, can, I can sit, the ponytail comes down, he swishes the hair. Yeah, that would that'd be, that'd be, that'd be him relaxing. Um, he'd need something soft on his feet, wouldn't he? Because he's quick. But, yeah. um, but we digress. Yeah, I thought I thought he was... Uh, it, it was solid, if, if not somewhat unspectacular, but... Um, yeah, he's, again, the issue we're looking at probably is when it comes down to real quality in, in the final third. Uh, he's not, he's not the issue, um, and I don't want to make it sound like he he's the issue. But I'm also not really convinced that he's um, he's the solution or part of the solution either. Unfortunately, and th- there is still a rawness to him. And um, I know Smith said after the game that they've been doing a lot of work with him, and I, I felt you could see that. Um, so so yeah, I think he should be encouraged, but. I still think that we need to see a bit more if we're going to be talking about Shemi Poheta in a Premier League team on a consistent basis. Um, but I, I would say I probably feel more encouraged now than I did, as you said, in the, in the back end of last season when we saw those performances. And he, he didn't really look where they needed him to be. Um, probably same again, but I'd probably say he's closer now than maybe he was. So maybe that's a testament to the work that uh, that Dean Smith and Craig Shakespeare have have been putting in and 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 him as well um, for for his application. So, yeah, I think I think he'll be pleased overall. Absolutely. Well, it will be interesting to see where he goes. At least he has shown that he can contribute because he some good corners. Um, he did actually create a few bits and pieces, didn't he? But yeah, far far from perfect. But you'd think that pace would be an asset off the bench at the right time. But uh, we are in a we're in a tough little run of games here. Villa on Tuesday night. It, it, it takes on a Pretty big significance, really, when you go to West Ham next Saturday and then Arsenal Boxing Day back at Carrow Road. This is a tough run of matches. Um, you know, you've got Palace and Leicester, I think, are the two games before we break off for the FA Cup, which is Charlton away on a Sunday, January the 9th, I think that is yeah. off the top of my head, isn't it? So uh, that's going to be, um, uh, well, you'd say it's an opportunity for a Premier League team to get through if if they want to but I don't think it's going to be top of Dean Smith's priorities to be uh, to be perfectly honest Welcome to the new normal Hello and welcome to this series of Unfinished with me, Charles Thompson Welcome to Weird Norfolk Welcome to this week's edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City Podcast From true crime to football, politics to folklore for more great podcasts from Archant head to audioboom.com forward slash channel forward slash Archant
top of the priorities for everyone and a name that we've already said on the podcast and is going to be said a great deal more in the next few days, Emi Buendia is coming back to Carra Road. Now, I'm always fearful of these situations, Pad, a, a, well, particularly a reigning player of the season, as Andy Marshall was, I believe, if I'm remembering that correctly, when he came back to Carra Road. That was the first season after he'd joined Ipswich. And yeah, he'd been he left as player of the season on a free to join Ipswich, and I I always remember that day because, um, I was in the Barclay that day, and he was given absolute pelters. I believe is the uh, the common phrase. The Barclay tore into him from minute one when he trotted out onto the Car Road pitch and just abused him mercilessly throughout the game. You know, calling him Judas and all that sort of stuff. He was public enemy number one, and what happened? He played a blinder. I think, if I'm remembering correctly, Ipswich won 2-0 that day and Marshall was man of the match. So, we know Emmy loves the spotlight. One way or another, I am convinced his name is going to be in the headlines on Tuesday night. <laughs> Which sort of headlines do you think it'll be? Well, I mean, am I right in saying, Connie, did you say he didn't feature for Villa this, this afternoon? They were at Liverpool mm. and they got beat Came on for the final 20 minutes. Did it? Oh, he came on, did he? Right, OK, so... Yeah, I don't know what to. Yeah, if you're Gerard and you you know all the backstory, then you start him Tuesday night um, and wind him up and watch him go. And uh, I mean, it's not to draw the parallel with with Marshall. It's not a player who's left on under a cloud or bad terms. I mean, phenomenal player for Norwich on the pitch and financially. You know, for what they paid, even with the promotion bonus top up that went to Hatafe. Um, Many, many more millions of pounds came the other way with that summer transfer to Villa. So, from a financial point of view, from a football point of view, Emi Buendia was brilliant for Norwich. So, I I would imagine, and as you, as you rightly said, Dave, you know, the fact that he, he, he was voted player of the season, the Norwich fans, the majority of anyway, at least, shared the same opinion. So, OK, you know, he made it quite clear that maybe he felt his time was done and he wanted to move on. Um and there may be some who hold that against him, but I think ultimately most Norwich fans would would say that you know it, the fact is he could have gone maybe when they got relegated the previous time in the Premier League, but he stayed and not only played his part, played a leading part. He was one of, if not the single biggest reason why they came back in the manner they did. His goals and his assist, assist count were frightening for, from a, a player who isn't an out and out forward as we know. But so I think on balance he should get an excellent, you know reception but ultimately a little bit like um you know Madison has found now as as time has gone on you know the the first couple of times with Leicester you know he he was fated I remember I think the first game actually was away at Leicester and every time he went to take a corner in front of that away end you know they were clapping him kind of thing I don't think we'll kind of get to that levels when if he's on the pitch and there's a corner down in the snake pit end I don't suddenly see them rising to a man woman and child to applaud him as he takes a a corner for Villa, so, but certainly maybe when his name was read out at the beginning, if he's in the lineup, you know, give him give him the applause he's due. But thereafter, you know, basically run over the top of him and Aston Villa if you're a Norwich person, and uh, and just hope against hope that he doesn't view it as I'm back at Carrow Road and I want to show these people how good I was. But I don't see that being in his makeup because I don't think it ended on a toxic level. You know, he was he was brilliant for Norwich. And Norwich were brilliant for him, so I think everybody won in that particular relationship. And uh, the the best outcome, 
you know, he plays well, but Norwich win the game, I think. Let's let's all hope that's the case come Tuesday night. Yeah, it was that awkward moment with Madison in the one one draw, wasn't there, when he sort of squared up to Tete and then he was like, Oh, it's Alex Tete. <laughs> I don't want to square it to Alex <laughs> and they almost sort of laughed it off in the end, didn't they? And he he was a little bit aggy a few times in, in that game and that's the thing with Buendia is that he is that type, isn't he? He is wholehearted he's going to go for it full bore and all he will want to do is win that game and be the star of the show because that's what he wants to do every single game he's he's still trying to persuade the villa fans frankly aren't they isn't he that he is worth 30 well 38 million pound deal 33 million up front doubled his wages more than doubled his wages and i think on paper it was a perfectly sensible move for him and he was unreal last year he was unplayable at times he was such a delight to watch play football and it was well he was better than Madison was and I don't think there's any doubt about that in terms of one season and just in terms of of numbers he was more productive than Madison was in that one excellent season with, with Norwich as well so the way I would like to see it approached I don't think it will happen because I think some people will boo him just because it's cut sort of a, a natural instinct but I think you've got to kill him with kindness. I think you've got to, you know, applaud him onto the pitch, cheer his name, not let him get wound up because he's got a temper on him, hasn't he? Um, from a fan's point of view, from the player's point of view, yeah, get poke him in the ribs at a corner, say something in his ear, do whatever you can to wind him up because that's on the football pitch. But from a supporter's point of view, I don't think you, I don't think you want to give him any extra motivation because he is capable of destroying Norwich if he wants to. Yeah, it's, it's a shame. Uh, well, obviously we don't know, but presumably Grant Hanley's not going to be on the pitch because uh, <laughs> yeah, good point. You'd imagine he'd, he'd have relished that um, particular tussle, and, and and as you say, well, we've seen it a few times. He's he's capable when the re- when the red mist descends. Um, <laughs> often he, that ends in a red card. So yeah. there there is that side as well, which um, maybe Norwich City players will know how to uh, how to get at maybe a lot easier than than other teams will, but. Yeah, I mean, what, what a talent, what a talent. It, it, it was criminal, really, that he was ever a championship footballer, uh, to be completely honest. And, you know, it, it will take time, naturally, I think, for him to show what he is at Aston Villa. He's had a change of manager. Um, it's it's a, a team that's a, a bit in transition. They spent a lot of money. Obviously, Dean Smith ultimately paid the price for for that. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I think he will get a positive reception because what he did last season, I, I would... I would be hard pressed, particularly in, since um, I've been watching covering Norwich City, for an individual player to have as good a season as he had. Um, I, I can't really think of any off the top of my head. I, I suppose you'd probably be going back to maybe Grant Holt and what he did. Um, Wes Houlihan maybe as uh, as well, but individually, I think I think Buendia was was superb. Um, but yeah, hopefully it ends in a in a red card and a Norwich win. I think that's what um, what most people will. We'll be hoping, and then and then once he get once he gets sent off, you can uh, you can give him the nice standing ovation. I could just see it now. <laughs> you think of all the joy when Lambert got sent off, because that was a totally different one. Because that had become sort of hatred. This one would just be hilarious. The Norwich fans would be just so delighted to see him, and I can see him throwing his hands around, stropping around, turning the air blue, <laughs> swearing at Max Aarons or whatever. 
because they had a bit of a tempestuous relationship at times, as we heard behind closed doors, didn't we, when they got a bit sweary at each other sometimes when, uh, you know, Emmy hadn't tracked back or whatever. <laughs> but just the, after, he's made, after he's elbowed someone or he's tackled someone stupidly or whatever, the whole of Carrow Road would just be in fits of laughter, wouldn't they, while he's dropped off the pitch because it would just be the most inevitable thing to happen. And if it does, it would be exceptionally funny. But ultimately... You, of course, you just want Norwich to win this game. You want Emmy to have a bad game and, and it's sort of to go without incident and, and not have to worry about it. But once it's out of the way, other than the Villa Park game as well, I'm sure Norwich fans will be, on the whole, hoping that he does go and play for Argentina and that he does go and play at the top of the game because he's got the ability to do it if he can keep his head together and keep his cool. And that is maybe what we'll start to see a bit of a, a sign of. He, he's, you know... he. If he does go and do something stupid like that, he's going to really mark his card in a bad bad way with his new manager, which is Steven Gerrard, who isn't going to take any rubbish from maybe Wendy, is he? He played. He he is a legend of English football in the Premier League. To him, Emmy Buendia has got to win him over and and really make his mark at Aston Villa. So. It'll be really interesting to see what happens. But it's certainly going to be a good spectacle, and it's certainly a match which means a, a great deal to both teams as well. So. Um, we will, of course, be building up to that from Monday morning, from when Dean Smith has his press conference. If you haven't already got stuck into Pink and Plus, then please do. You've probably heard us speak a fair bit about it in the last couple of weeks. We've not mentioned it, Dave. Not mentioned it. Have we um, not mentioned it? I don't think so. Yeah, it's very so. rarely, very rarely. <laughs> Pink and Plus, um, $1.99 a month or 20 quid up front for the year. Um, you'll be noticing if you're already subscribing, or, or if you're not, that more and more stuff is now moving behind uh, the paywall, as it were, becoming more exclusive to Pink and Plus. So Paddy's Pointers today, the NCFC Live blog, six things will be on Monday morning. You'll start to get the rhythm of it. Um, and if you're still uh, sticking with the old websites where, of course, the match report was still on there, starting 11s, the news will still be on there, essentially. If Norwich sat the manager, if they sign a new player, that will still be on the uh, on the websites. But I think in the, in the weeks and months to come, you'll start to get the uh, the rhythm of that and you get the first 60 days free anyway. So it's worth giving it a try. But for now, Pad, Connor, thank you very much for your thoughts. As I mentioned earlier, watch out for the Monday Night Club, which will be the bonus part of the Pink and Podcast, and we'll, get, uh, we'll drill down into uh, more of the big issues. But for now, this was the latest edition of the Pinkin.com Norwich City podcast in, a few, in association with Future Radio 107.8 FM, and we will catch up with you very soon. <laughs>